What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. So grateful to have you join us for the show today. And we got a good one lined up. Uh, Steph Corker, everybody. Steph Corker joined us for a little Zoom cast. Yes. Uh, Steph's been inspiring me, motivating me, lifting my spirit since the first time we met. She's just like, she lives life with a full heart. Yes. Full of intention, full of integrity. And she does amazing things. She constantly, you know, defies limits. She lives life in a limitless way, pushing those boundaries uh, and then we got into the transitions of, yeah. of life. Steph Corker, a lot of people know her as an Ironman, as a triathlete, as a runner, cyclist, swimmer. Um, but she's so much more than than what her athletic pursuits have defined. And we get into those transitions from mm-hmm. career, life, whatever. You know, we're all going through phases and transitions of our life. And... Uh, she kind of walks us through living those transitions with a full heart. Yes. Yeah. It's it's always nice to hear from someone who's really lived authentically the things that they teach about, talk about, help others navigate through. There's always like, um, there's always an, uh, it's always an asset to have someone who can help you and say, hey, here's like some strategic thinking about this. But it's like, next level when that person is like well here's how i did it Mm -hmm. or here's how i have done it multiple times and that's really i think who steph is she's someone who embodies the work that she does and you know um yeah just like the stories that she tells about trying different things on through different times allowing herself the ability to experiment to try to fail to learn to grow and then how she brings that into like the work that she does i think is so so cool and yeah i mean it was just a an elevated conversation as only you could have with Steph. Yes. Yes. So before we get into this episode, uh, just a a little bit of laundry, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, If you've been enjoying our podcast, it makes a big difference in in being able to share the good word of a little more good. Yeah. If you can like, share, uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you're tuning in, makes a good Big, big difference in, in allowing us to get the message out to more people. Um, we appreciate all the reviews, all the shares. We see them and we love them. And it lights us up reading um, all of your feedback and, and how we can be more good with what we do. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, just share share the love too. If you really like what uh, Steph is putting down in the episode, um, give her a tag on IG at Steph Corker. Uh, mention her mention her on our IG as well. It's just a cool way to show love to the guests that have been on there. If they say something that resonates, um, it always means a lot, you know, to all of us when we see the little heart notification uh, yes. on the phone, <laughs> maybe more than it should, but it's always nice to give shout outs and appreciation where it's due. So thank you for, for considering all of those ways to support yes. us and the beautiful guests we have on. There we go. And lastly, before we get into this episode, this week's podcast was brought to you by Athletic Greens. Yes. AG1 is my way to start the day. Uh, one scoop uh, of goodness. It's become my family's routine full of 75 essential nutrients from mushrooms, prebiotics, probiotics. It's just like a fully stacked all-star team of all the foods that I want to incorporate into my day. I used to spend... 
I don't even want to admit how much I spent on supplements. It's it's uh, it's embarrassing, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Athletic Greens uh, and their AG1 has simplified that process. Now I've just got one go-to supplement. I put it in my, my water bottle, and I wake and I shake, and there we go. I've got my delicious morning drink. Starts my day with the right foot forward. What do we need to know, Dean? What yeah. am I missing here? Well, I mean, people always wonder, right, okay, these supplements that are like, you say they're so great. And, you know, when I talk to friends or whatever, just anecdotally, they're like, yo, I heard it on the pod or whatever. How much does it cost? Yeah. Because that's always a question. I mean, that's yes. just brass tacks. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's less than $3 a day. Yeah. Which really many of us spend that on a coffee or other creature comforts that may or may not have as many health benefits for us, if yeah. we're honest. Um, but yeah, uh, the Athletic Greens for less than $3 a day, you're making uh, an investment in your health, in your in your health that like can't be beat, really. And like you say, you take all the old supplements and things that you used to take, capsules, pills, powders, whatever it might be. This is one scoop and you're done. It's easy. It's cheap. It's good for you. It's good for everybody. So if uh, if you're not ready yet to uh, sign up for Athletic Greens, if, if this wasn't enough, um, we've got a little extra extra for you. If you sign up uh, and use our affiliate code, uh, athleticgreens.com slash more good, Athletic Greens is going to throw in five AG1 travel packs and a year supply of vitamin D. So a little extra goodness goes a long way. Uh, that's athleticgreens.com slash more good to get your AG1 and get that one scoop of morning wellness into your routine. That's right. Yeah, so don't delay. Pick it up today. Athletic Greens. All right. On to this week's episode. All right. We are here for another episode of A Little More Good. We're really excited to be joined by the one and only Steph Corker. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for making the time. It's so good to see your face and can't wait to have this chat with you. I am so honored. I feel like a real junkie of this podcast. So I am a, a true dedicated listener and I feel honored to be on the mic with you today. Well, thank you, Steph. Amazing. Just to, to sing your praises for a minute before we get into things and, and not to put too much pressure on your shoulders, but uh, you know, since I first met you, since you first came into my life, I have to say that all of our encounters, all of our conversations always leave me feeling better about mm-hmm. myself, about what I can do. I always leave inspired by you and your reflections mm-hmm. that you share. So I just wanted to um, pass my gratitude. You always you have an amazing way of making the impossible always seem not only possible, but um, you fill it with excitement and, you know, just start now. <laughs> oh, frick. Just start now. Um, thank you. Is all I can say, really. And I mean, because you started with that, I won't lie that I will never forget the first time I met you and Ryan, which won't be the first time you remember meeting me, but it was definitely in Gastown at your truck on Megan Curry's suggestion because she would rave about you at One Yoga and her favorite two boys. I thought, I think she would like refer to you as her her boyfriends. And um, I share that because, you know, One Yoga in Gastown isn't there anymore. And I don't even think you have a truck in Gastown anymore. You know, the times have changed and it's really beautiful to see. I was at Lululemon at the time and, you know, we've all evolved. And I always say that, you know, these, these companies and these chapters and even who we are, you know, the, the guy in the truck and 
you know, me going to yoga in Gastown, like those things don't exist anymore for either of us. And it's really special to have relationships that can cover so many different versions of ourselves. And I think that's what's so relevant to this because, you know, I'm, I'm not the athlete I once was when we met <laughs> and um, that's a beautiful thing. And so I hope we get to riff on the current and future versions of ourselves today. Yeah, I, I think we can hop into transition from from our identities and transition of, of story. Uh, one one last anecdote before we, we get in there. Um, I was just reflecting on some memories before, you know, knowing that we had this conversation scheduled for today. And I remember, you know, just before uh, COVID started, um, the pandemic started, I, I sent you a text or a message teasing you that I had gone to the hardest spin class of my life somewhere else. And you said something along the along the lines of oh yeah like okay i'm teaching on friday like better see your butt in the seat dad you hammered us it was like the hardest class like i saw stars i was dizzy oh, yeah. and it was amazing so just to give you that uh, you did, you did uh, teach the hardest class <laughs> i mean the thing with spin class though is you make it as hard as you want to make it so i think that yeah. you just showed up and wanted to work really hard let's mm -hmm. let's put credit where credit is due oh, the power meter never <laughs> registered so high before <laughs> but it is there's something there's something special about like you could you could show up and and have a good ride on your own or like peloton has taken off and people are riding in their living rooms across you know the world really but there's something i think really special when there are people who connect and i know like i've i've taken a spin class with you as well steph and it was mm. definitely um the temperature in the room changes i think mm. when when you are there and being so just who you are inspirational and encouraging at the front and it makes you it makes you as the person in the seat want to like dig deep and mm. you know find find that new level of potential or as zach had said earlier kind of like come up against what we thought was impossible and say maybe i can hold like this many watts for this many seconds i've never done it before but yeah the vibe that you curate in a spin class mm. i think is mm. very conducive to people trying something new and and i mm. would also say that that's maybe part of your magic professionally too is helping oh. people to discover you know their potential and and mm. creating an atmosphere where someone can say listen i think i want to step out and, and try something new and transition maybe from one thing to the next or live into their ability in a new way so mm. yeah. Dean, you too. I mean, you start this and you just touch touch the, all the heartstrings. And the only thing I can share to that is the opposite, which earlier this fall, I mean, I don't teach spin classes anymore and I live in the bush and I was actually visiting Kitsilano and I went into the old spin studio when I was a, you know, a student on the bike and it feels really special to ride in a group of people. Um, I was also back in Ontario earlier, I, I guess it was back in the fall, and I went to a spin class. I went into the little rec center and I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm here to ride. And the instructor started and um, I, I mean, I'm not disclosing any names. It just, she was like, you know what? You can come and ride hard. You can ride easy. I don't care. I want you to know that I just don't care. You can ride easy-ish. You can ride hard-ish. I don't care. And I was like, oh, mm. what? I really care. Like if the only thing I brought to, to riding together was like, I, I totally care about you. I care about me. I care about you. Like what if it's really cool to care? 
And it doesn't matter what your watts are. I don't care if you're fast or slow and new to riding or not. Like, I just think that the, the coolest thing is to care. And um, if that's what wakes me up in the morning, if that's what I get to do um, every day, regardless of how fast or slow and whatever, just, just care. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really hit me. And I, I looked at her and I said, I care. Like, I, I'm here today. I care. And, and I'm going to work hard. And that was that. So anyway, maybe there's something to it that caring is cool. Well, thank you for caring. I think your, your care, that big heart of yours, those heartbeats, they ripple. And, you know, as we mentioned, it creates waves of, of people chasing their own, their own impossible. So mm-hmm. gratitude to you. Um, back on that train of, of when we first connected, uh, you were part of your identity mm-hmm. war and that you were known for was this, this Iron Man, this triathlete. Mm-hmm. Steph Corker, uh, you know, just this accomplished, this champion of, of, of racing through swimming and cycling and running. And mm-hmm. the feats that you did were, they seemed just that, they seemed impossible, but you, you did them in, with such grace and, and shared those journeys that they did seem possible to all of us. But um, two things I want to talk about with this is one, grit. I feel like mm-hmm. um, you always embodied grit like a a willingness to go harder or further or just like no quit and then from there like what it was like to transition from this identity that um you know you wore and and were known as transitioning to you know a new staff a new story uh Mm. new start line or beginning Mm. um so can we kind of talk about that grit and and your life as a a athlete um on a you know, on a big stage and and what it was like to transition into a new chapter? Yeah, I mean, uh, I raced my last Ironman in 2019. And in 2019, it it was my 25th Ironman. Um, I had actually, the Ironman prior to that, I had not finished. It was Ironman Frankfurt and I had food poisoning in Germany and didn't didn't make it off the bike. Um, And I wanted to do one more Ironman, which, which I, I did here in Canada and Mount Tremblant. And I actually kissed the ground at that finish line because I said, wow, I've done 25 of these and I've taken every single finish line for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought there would be one more. I always thought there's, you know, there was always next season to plan one more Ironman to do. And there was always another race. And um, what happened after that Ironman was I was actually on a wait list for, for a couple of years for some surgery and I got the call and I was going to have surgery. Um, and that would change things for me big time. Um, and, and with that shortly thereafter was a pandemic and then pools were closed. And through those times, I asked myself, do I care enough to, to try to swim while every pool is closed? And, and I didn't. And so I guess kind of where the conversation began, um, of how cool it is to care. It's cool to care until you don't care. And then you need to ask yourself, what do I really care about? Mm-hmm. And um, that was sort of, that was it. It was, that was the end. And uh, I think the pandemic has served to, you know, many lessons. Um, and 
and I would say like tough times in this. And I'm like, at the end of the day, no, like they've been beautiful teachers and beautiful lessons. And um, one of the lessons for me was, you know, my relationship with grit was that, you know, you said it, it's like not to be a poet, but it was like grit means no quit. And it was like kind of this neurological pathway that I didn't think about. I didn't, it was like subconscious, unconscious. I just did what I always did over and over again until the pandemic hit and it almost put these these blocks up in these neural pathways and said if you didn't have to do what you've always done what would you do now and if you really could do anything what would you want to do and the most honest thing I can tell you is it was probably two really really tough years because it's really easy to be unconscious in this lifetime and it's really easy to do things that feel good and you know what endorphins feel good and doing the same thing on autopilot, having an excuse to miss every social gathering because some precious special workout needed to happen. Like, I don't know, it's all fun and games until you sit and think like, what is this life really, really all about? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm certainly proud of my time as an Ironman athlete, I think. I achieved many goals. I certainly didn't achieve all of my dreams. And in some respects, I mean, I haven't shared this before. I think I, I'm almost embarrassed that I was so selfish and I was glorified for such a selfish pursuit. Um, and while I tried to, to not be an asshole about it, I think there were times that I were, I, I really was. Mm. And, um, I think I have a new relationship and, you know, on my running shoes, I used to have two words. One said grit and one said grace. And it was like race with grit and grace. And that was really important to me that, you know, you can be gritty and be graceful. Who do you want at the finish line of your life? Who do you want to be with you in these moments? Who do you want to become? Um, there was just, there was a lot to it for me. So the pandemic, I kind of blew up my whole life. <laughs> I moved to Whistler. I lived in the woods. I didn't go swimming. Uh, I tried on lots of different things. And that's probably the best way to put it. I tried on lots of different things. And two and a half years later, I would say I've settled in, in life in a little house in Brackendale. And life looks very different now. And I would say that I'm really proud that I'm, I'm woke to it. I'm, I'm conscious. And it still feels uncomfortable. Um, yet I wouldn't tell you I'm doing anything on autopilot. Wow. That's really good. Thanks, Steph, for kind of walking us through that. Uh, obviously a big, a big chunk of your life and so much time, as you said, was, was given to this pursuit, uh, mm -hmm. of, of the Ironman race and just obviously hours and hours of training and even in the off season, like thinking, what's the next race and how can I be ready for when it's time to hit go on, on the, on the training and stuff. What was it like? Um, you touched a little bit on it, but I'd love to kind of zoom in, you know, a little bit closer on that, that transition of, I'm no longer going to be this person. And, mm -hmm. and when you look back, like, how did it feel living through that? Was there some moments of like, okay, I know I know I'm done or ooh, maybe I'm done. I, like, and how did it feel shifting from, you know, Steph Corker, this Ironman athlete, which is part of who you were, part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And in some mm -hmm. cases, like maybe people only knew you as that 
to kind yeah. of start to move forward. And, you know, we said before, like this idea of like shedding skin or, or emerging mm-hmm. as a new version of ourselves. What was that mm-hmm. process like? Because I think lots of us are curious about, I don't know if I'm living who I'm supposed to be, but this is always who I've been. And what mm-hmm. might you think? So how did you kind of navigate some of those conversations internally, externally? What did that look like for you? Gosh, Dean, coming in with the big questions, because I think it's so, you know, when you say internally and externally, that's so powerful. Um, And I mean, the cop out was that it was the pandemic. So it's like whether a business succeeded or didn't, you could just say, well, the pandemic took us out. Oh, like triathlon races were canceled. I gave up, you know, that's like the easiest way of, of saying it. And, um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, we just hosted an event that the corporate co and we joked that like everyone's kind of socially awkward and do people really know how to talk to each other anymore? And we have this like screen with zoom and you don't know if you can give someone a hug and you don't really even know what to talk about with them. And, um, I think that we, so on, I say this because I think on a macro level, it's like we put labels on people like triathlete and then you know Steph as triathlete and really there were so many other pieces of me but it was a lot easier to just use one label and I I recently did a three-day juice cleanse from the juice truck and I've never felt more freaking lit up Sunday night hit and I was like I don't do drugs I think this is a drug and one of the things that really hit me was every juice had many things in it Every juice had many things and every one of us have so many things. And, you know, the last two years I I got a burn a doodle. His name's Bernie and I'm obsessed with being his mom obsessed. And I can't have biological children. And, you know, that's not a story you tell people. It's not like, Oh, Steph, the, the woman in the world who can't have children. It's like, that's not a label we talk about or people might feel uncomfortable and triathlete. That's so safe. It's like, do you want to know my naughty Bernadoodle came skate skiing with me for two winters and every winter he would steal someone's glove. He would steal someone's glove off the trail, ingest it, like fully consume their glove and then carry on. And I would have to apologize profusely, try to catch my freaking dog in the woods and then get their email address to like send them money so they can go and buy new gloves. Not to mention they're like freezing cold. I share this because if we could pause and slow down for a minute to be socially awkward, to sit within the awkwardness and just ask someone, what's up? Mm We wouldn't have to meet them with a past label or the only potential identifier and then let that person sort of stumble into telling you who they are or who they aren't. So for me, I have taken such joy in ensuring that no one feels awkward in saying, when's your next race? And in saying, tell me what's new with you. Tell me what's happening in your life these days. Um, and I'm mindful that it's it's very much you know a, re- a reciprocity. It's it's the energy that you give and that I give to to meet each other where we are, and we are always and forever changing. And yet it's so wild that we hang on to a label, and it's one label, and 
you know, I want to be a juice from the juice truck. I want to feel how a three day juice cleanse feels. I could not finish all of my juices and I froze them and then I would keep drinking them because I just wanted that nectar. I wanted that high, that vitality. That's how I wish we could see each other. And it's frankly a practice that I work on with myself. And then when I am more that with me, I feel like I can be more of that externally. And I, I hope it's a cycle. So I know we went from juice cleanses to burn a doodles and maybe introducing each other. And I hope that's the long winded answer to say, listen, I'm not one label. There's so many ingredients that make up Steph Corker. There always have been. And yet you thought I was only made up of cucumbers and, um, and here we are and let's be awkward and, and be weird. And, and I've got a story about all of it for you. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's so good to be able to have those moments where we can kind of like model that for people. Cause I think yeah. you're, like, we all, we often are nervous about presenting a new version of ourselves for fear of judgment or, you know, what might, what might someone say or questions they might ask. But the, if we look at it from the inverse and it's like, if you meet someone that you've known really well, you know, a decade ago, and then you bump into them in the city or whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh, we haven't seen each other. What's new? And they are the very same version of that, of themselves that they were that decade ago. Like, it feels like that is the true loss. Like you haven't grown, you haven't changed, you haven't evolved, you know, you're just kind of stuck for better mm -hmm. or in this position. And, and yet at the same time, we kind of, have this angst or fear around that leaning into our evolution, leaning into our change. Yes. Because, oh, what if people, you know, judge me or think different of me because I used to be this and now I'm this or whatever it might be. So I love, I love what you said. And it's like, we need to normalize just that, that transition and normalize that we're always like on, on route, on journey somewhere. What, what, one thing that stood out to, to me, uh, you mentioned the grit and the grace, and yeah. you brought that to your your racing, but I think you've also brought that into your transition. We were talking about this before we hit the record. Um, I go running, and I ride my bike, mm -hmm. and not that I necessarily identify as either, but they've become habit and routine, where mm -hmm. even if I'm curious about something else, say I want to try pickleball, or I want to, you know, go cross-country skiing with you or something like that I haven't given myself the space because I'm so locked into those two practices mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's intentional but a lot of the times it's just like passive routine of, of I know I feel better when I move my body and I do these these two practices so I kind of stick to them but mm -hmm. I think it does take courage to pause and mm -hmm. to try something new um mm -hmm. Can, can you talk about, like, was there, did it seem just as brave to, to change that story of yours as it did to lace up your shoes for a start line? Or did it just feel like it was time and your intuition told you it's time, mm. time to, to be a new version of, of myself? Well, it's tricky, again, because of the pandemic. And I'd rather take that, like, I'd love to take that excuse of the pandemic off the table because, you know, 2023, we're listening to this live of like, who are we now? And what version of ourselves do we want to be this year? And 
um, you know, I start every year with a circle and in the circle is more of who I want to be and outside of the circle is who I don't want to be. And inside that circle, you know, some years it was winning Ironman and outside of the circle is things like procrastinator or the queen of parking tickets, you know, things that I didn't want to be part of me. Um, I, I actually also worked for this incredible CEO once who told me every five years he learned a new sport because in five years he could start, he could get as good as he could be. And then if he continued, he'd only ever get incrementally better. And yet he'd forget what it was like to be new at something and to be a beginner. And that really struck me because I thought, wow, I've spent a lot, a lot more than five years dedicated to, you know, movements that are very lateral and that go from start to finish. And there was a lot to it that was was the same. And, um, you know, I took up, you know, Nordic skiing. I don't know how long, how many years ago now, and yet I still really suck. So I used to say like my five-year window is not done because I still suck. And most winters I try to do the, the Moppet and, you know, it's a 50 K skate ski race and I love it dearly. And so sucking and skiing 50 K are pretty cool. Um, and wanting to get better. And, you know, now I have this dog who, who's great. I think, um, and this is tough. And I say this with compassion for, for other addicts. Um, we are all addicted to something, whether we're addicted to the scroll, whether we're addicted to alcohol, sugar, uh, endorphins, the, the addict in us is real. And we have chosen what to glorify, what addiction we glorify and what addiction we deem wrong, dare I say, or inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I would just say like, who am I to judge an alcoholic or a sugar addict or an exercise addict. Um, and that's where I speak to like being really conscious of why are we doing what we're doing and getting the high is great as long as we know why we're going after that high. So I only wanted to drink juice when I finished my juice cleanse. And I was like, and will this serve me? Is my end goal to only drink juice? No. I live in the bush. The juice truck is a little bit far away. I think that there are some other things that would be really good for me. And yes, I want that high. So um, I would just say like, when we pause and ask, why are we doing what we're doing? What are we avoiding? I think every ultra, I said with all the love, Zach, I know you love your ultra runners, but every ultra endurance athlete is running from something. So wake up to what you're running from and then keep running if you want to run um, or choose something else. It just the tough questions that we don't really want to face. And and I think, you know, who are we to vilify addicts of other nature of other natures, except to acknowledge that it's it's within us. And and, you know, I quit social media and, and I felt a withdrawal, you know, Dean, to your point, I like didn't know what was going on in people's lives. I felt so out of the loop. I felt so lonely. I felt these feelings of like missing my high. And I didn't even freaking know these people. Mm -hmm. Like, how was this filling my cup? It was such a fake high. So it was a fake, fake relationship, fake connection. 
So, um, yeah, I think now I, I really focus on the inside and say, what does inside need so that I can show up outside and my relationship with missing a workout has changed me a lot. Yeah. That's Try great. it. Because yeah, I, I think like the addict in me, I can feel guilty uh, if yeah. I miss a run or I don't get a, a, some sort of movement in, you know, five or six days a week, I'll start to, you know, feel bad about myself. And it's mm. really, like, I need to give myself permission to have pause and have days off. And then that's something I'm still, still learning. So let me qualify. Let me clarify that if you are woke and you know that a run feels a certain way and you can craft it within your life in the way that works, it's a beautiful thing. The challenging part or the, the bad part is when it's like, I can't exist without this in my life. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, you're going to need to one day. So yes. figure it out. Yes. And, you know, I, I say you meditate before you mediate, you meditate before you go to court, you meditate before you liberate, you meditate before you do all of these things in life. And then you get to experience a new high when you do it. So just ask why you're going out for your run. I'm sick. It's minus 10. It's snowing. Is there something else that you could do, Zach? Maybe. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, we're talking about transitions and um, you being the, the, the individual that you are have crafted this, this guide that helps not only ourselves and yourselves, but, you know, a lot of people. But now I'm holding it up here. Not all of you can see it, but you've created this, this great book for, for people who have quit their job, lost their job, or want a new one. I think, you know, pandemic or, or otherwise, we're kind of in this, this crux of, of mass transition where people mm-hmm. are, are looking for purpose, uh, looking for what is next. Um, just reflecting on, in my own family, like my wife, you know, went from having a career to having two children and... Um, you know, some people are fully um, in in flow being just that a mother, but I think just observing Megan and a lot of moms, there's also the now I want to be a mom and something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's those many flavors in the juice, as you mentioned. So I think, you know, this is an incredible guidebook for, for transitions, but it's also for a, a great guidebook for finding the new you, finding your purpose. So mm. um, again, want to pass thanks for, for creating this. I found it super insightful just going through it. I thought for mm. um, for the listeners, it'd be great. You've got, um, you know, seven amazing steps in this book that I think are super practical. If you, if you it's very approachable and easy to, to read. Um, if you go through them, you're going to leave the experience having a lot more clarity than you did at uh, before lesson one. So do you think we can kind of go play by play through this book and kind of work through some of it um, so that those listening can kind of find their own what's next and their own mm-hmm. transition of their own story? Because I do believe mm-hmm. only one of the truths in the world is that we're, we're always changing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
we are in the same position. You know, mm -hmm. the river you that you looked at yesterday isn't the same river that you're looking at today. And I think that goes the same for us. So let's, yeah. get, let's get into transitions and our stories. Uh, less. Well, the I just want to kick it off by saying, um, you know, this was written through the guise of of new work um, about 20 years ago, which is freaking wild. I started the journey of recruitment and I was, you know, on a three week gig to help bring executives to Vancouver. And I was a recruiter and this was before LinkedIn, before social media, um, you hammered dial up phones and that was the land of recruiting. And, um, you know, lots obviously has changed since then. And what stuck with me and what has been true for these last 20 years is that outside of finding a life partner, outside of a dating app, finding work, finding ways to express your purpose or your dharma felt like one of the biggest questions or challenges people had. And some people are like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. And yes, I've been recruiting for 20 years and I can't tell you how different it is. Mm -hmm. 20 years later. And so I haven't been doing the same thing at all for 20 years. I've been doing it radically differently. Um, and yet again, this is where you could easily label, you know, one vocation with one title and, and there's been so much to it. So I just would start with saying, if you've been doing the same thing, even for a decade, I bet you've been doing it very differently for 10 years. And again, like check your neural pathway and your language. And maybe you could say that you've been a new river every day for 10 years all of that to I'm just saying i love that thank you uh, okay great um i all that to be said i designed an online course called the now what in 2019 i designed it as a birthday present for myself to the world and it was meant to be an accessible um easy to access available for anyone wherever you were if you were thinking about leaving if you had questions of like what do i do being stuck was like the worst place to be and being stuck is a really hard place to talk or connect with a recruiter because a recruiter is just going to tell you to go figure it out and come back to us and you're like ah i don't know where to go so it was an online course in 2019 in 2020 we gave it away to thousands of people who had lost their jobs and that really struck my heart um, you know, being in the recruiting business and seeing so many people get furloughed or laid off, it, it was real. Um, and then in 2021, perhaps, um, the team at the Corker Co was like, we're going to make this into a book. And I had massive trepidation. And I just wanted to give this context because it's really fun to like look at the book now. And I'm like, holy heck, like this book has gone through the ringer to come to life. And um, that would lead me to the introduction or the dedication rather. And I feel like I need to read this for your listeners. Um, it says, I wrote this book with great distraction from my furry companion, Bernie the Bernadoodle. Whether he is good or bad, right or wrong, it never matters. He keeps showing up full of enthusiasm, a sly cheeky grin and a bounce in his step. My wish for you is that you can find the same joy in this journey. Hashtag be like Bernie. <laughs> and the reason for that is because we take on our, our work so personally. People get fired and they think their entire self-worth has just been flushed down the toilet. Um, you quit your job and you feel so lost. Like, like no one wants to talk to me if I can't say I'm Zach from the juice truck. It's like, 
Zach, you're Zach. Yes, we love you for the juice truck. You're still Zach, you know? And um, it's easier said than done. We can talk about this as the three of us. And yet for people who have lost a career of 20 years, it, it weighs really heavy on them. So that was my hope is that Bernie doesn't, Bernie doesn't care. Maybe we shouldn't either. Um, so that's that. That's the introduction of where we begin with the now what. So if we're stuck, um, if we're in a rut, you know, I often talk to people, I've been there myself, that just start to identify with that story, that person that's stuck, that person that's in a rut. They start to embody it. They start to tell that story. They become that story. So if you're if you're stuck in that rut, if you're having a hard time getting out of it, um, before we get to lesson one, what what's like a step to get unstuck, to change that story? Yeah, well, lesson one is knowing what you want, and yeah. the the sage the most sage advice I would have is to go and find the Spice Girls song, "Tell Me What You Want, What You Really Really Want." And as corny as it may be, the reality is I need to know what you do want. And stuck means you are literally stuck in what you don't want. And it's like the gravitational pull, the negative energy. We get so stuck in what the do not wants are. I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me what you really, really want. Tell me, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. That's step one and you can't help but smile even if you're like oh boy spice girls like give me give me what you want that's a question on hand and and i did this i, I did an exercise it was like the love it and the love it list and you know the things that i wanted was like not a commute i wanted healthy food nearby i wanted people i was inspired to work with i wanted to wear certain things to work does any of that tell you what kind of job I want or what company I want to work for? No, it just tells you the type of life I want to live. It tells you the type of person I want to be. And at some point we have to start there. So um, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're questioning, you know, do I want to live in Vancouver or do I want to move to Prince George? I feel like this is such an exceptional chapter. I'm so biased. It's like mm -hmm. I wrote this book or something. Um, it's the best place to start. Talk about it with your partner. Talk about it with your family. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Start so, there. So what do we do? How do we get to that start line if we if we get real with ourselves and we tell tell ourselves what we really want and we have this this epiphany, this realization, maybe for the first time that where we're living, what we're doing maybe our job, maybe our relationship isn't actually what we want. Um, how, how do we transition from that, that realization of, of where we are isn't where we want to be? Um, how do we go from self-awareness to, to action? Yeah, okay. So Dean with the big questions, Zach with the big questions, coming in hot <laughs> because um, Listen, I'm not here to blow up anyone's lives. I'm not here to say like, it all has to change overnight. Um, I have a personal relationship with seven minutes. It's just maybe this athlete in me that likes the clock. Um, I like to sit down and think, what can I do in seven minutes? Seven minutes. Like, I, 
not changing the world in seven minutes. Yet seven minutes at a time for me felt like enough time that I could make a dent, make a start, do something differently. Um, I also, I mean, previously, right now it's winter and I have a new relationship with sleep, but previously I had a very sacred relationship with 5 a.m. And at 5 a.m., I thought, for me, at 5 a.m., you can do anything. I, I don't have children. I have a dog that usually was still asleep at 5 a.m. So at 5 a.m., if you want to be a writer, you can set your clock for seven minutes, start writing. If you're still inspired to keep writing after seven minutes, keep going. If you only have seven minutes to do push-ups straight, do seven minutes of push-ups. Hold a plank for seven minutes. If you really are interested in van life, in in moving somewhere else. Like what can you do seven minutes at a time? And if those seven minutes happen to become an hour and all of a sudden it's 6 a.m., still dark, still quiet, you might be onto something. You're like, wow, I have found something I'm really interested in. Mm -hmm. If those seven minutes feel like they have been an hour and take a long time, then you get to change direction and say, it's not for me. I'm not a life hack. I'm not a self-help coach. I haven't written a self-help book. I just think that if you can start with seven minutes, you can either find things that you want to do for seven more minutes or you don't want to do them. And if I can give you context, in the last 12 months, I considered buying a Swiss village in Golden, BC and launching an Airbnb. I tried really hard to buy a coffee shop in Squamish and convert it. I considered buying a general store and creating a, a new little general store in the woods. I contemplated taking over a retreat center. And I thought, what would it be like to have a retreat center that had gardens and, and would host events? And I never wanted to give up my day job of running the Corker Collective as a consulting business. Um, I didn't know where I was going to live in the process. And none of those things came to fruition. But some of those things were my seven minute projects at 5 a.m. And I reached out and spoke to and really considered most of them in, in quite deep detail. So I don't know, you wanna move somewhere else? Try it on. You don't wanna move somewhere else? Like just paint a wall in your house and buy a new lampshade. Mm -hmm. It feels pretty beautiful. Like you can do, that's it, seven minutes, you can buy five new things online for a room and feel like you're in a whole new house, seven minutes. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. don't know. I'm not the person to talk to, to stay stuck. <laughs> I love that. I, I think it's so easy to do the opposite. Like if we can just kickstart seven minutes with intention, I, it's, it's so easy for us to spend seven minutes scrolling or seven minutes, like just kind of being, in the, in the void of, in the shadows of life. And, and, you know, if we bring intention to that, I think it can kickstart so many healthy habits and get us unstuck. So, mm -hmm. well, I have to say one of the most important things of those seven minutes, it's like seven sacred minutes is they can't be in comparative land. So you can't go and look at what other people are doing. That's not your life. And it can't be about anyone else. So you don't go and look at other people's houses. You look and say like, what do I want for my home? You don't look and think this is what other people are doing for their workout. You don't open Strava 
you just do your own workout and then upload it to Strava. It's very, very important. So don't Not spend seven minutes looking at Dean's Strava. <laughs> no. It's pretty quiet lately. <laughs> Yeah, I love the idea, Steph, and you said it from the from the outset of the conversation as you were kind of detailing even your own personal kind of journey uh, and transformation. But this idea of like trying things on it ties beautifully into, into this sacred seven minutes. Is that if you're in a changing room at a store and you try on a jacket or a shirt or pants or whatever it might be, and you think ah they don't really suit me, you just take them off and hang them back up or give them to the clerk or whatever. And if you love them, you can decide, okay, do I love them enough to like buy them? Where can I see myself wearing them? But it's that idea of, it's like, it's not a life sentence. Like you can try mm-hmm. something on and see if it fits. And, and I love that because it's pretty low risk and it allows yeah. us to experience life in ways that maybe we wouldn't have before if we just said, oh no, that's not for me. I couldn't do that. But to say, okay, seven minutes, I'm going to allow myself to write or draw or paint or sing or run or just imagine, like you said, re- redesign my living room. It's an incredible way to start moving, whether yeah. that's an internal movement or an external movement. But it's just like that permission to say, okay, I have seven minutes to, to get a little bit less stuck. And I yeah. feel like it's so accessible to everyone. Yes. It's, it's, um, it's a manageable first step if people are feeling like, I don't know, new career. Like that's so daunting. But imagine yeah. this seven minutes it really it really opens up the door to the conversation of like what Mm -hmm. what next okay let me tell you i also have um speaking of accessibility i care deeply about this because i think we think that like you need millions of dollars and when i have all the time in the world and all the money it's like i assume i'm never gonna have any more money than when i did someone once told me live like you're making $50,000 a year and go forth. Yes. Did you know the average person in greater Vancouver makes $55,000 a year? So take note, the public libraries are incredible, incredible. So I really wanted to up my garden game. I care deeply about gardens and food and I would go onto the library website and reserve books because if I went to the library, I'd be lost for hours and I would reserve books and bring them home. And it made me feel so abundant. I was learning. I was interested in like what was happening in 1980 in the gardening world and like, what do I need to know now? And then I would scour Facebook marketplace and I would go to the garden centers and I would just walk around and listen to people talking to each other. I just wanted to hear what did they have to say? What was I learning about different tomatoes? What was I learning about the different maturation cycles of different plants? Why should I buy a big roto? Why should I buy a little roto? What would the bees like? And then I would leave in seven minutes. I bought nothing. I went to the garden center and I learned from these really wonderful, usually older people. And I'd come home with a huge smile and think, okay, now I know what's next. And I just like, there's also something about seven minutes that it's accessible, Um, but I hope we don't try to rush life. Mm. You know, we want everything so fast and uh, I slow down, go to the library, get a few books, return them on time, figure things out in a different way. Um, I think that's been a really interesting journey for me. 
one thing you you speak of in the book and and you've always been the champion of this believe in the end mm. you talk about believing in the end how how that reflects and kind of manifests in, in your life yes i mean so when we started the Corker Collective, it was actually something that I have to give a hat tip to Matt Corker for because Matt Corker was and is the future was one of our core beliefs and is the future. It evolved and actually in the last year or so, um, we just believe in the and and we realized that might be a hard sentence to I'm sure the sentence structure doesn't make sense. It's just the reality that we don't have to only be one thing ever. Um, I think the stat is most people are working 28 hours a week and they claim to be working 40. So if you're working 28 hours, you claim to be working 40, who are you in those other 12 hours? What else are you doing? And why can't you be all of the labels that make up a beautiful green juice? So you can be a mom and an interior designer and a runner and an artist, a cook, whatever, whatever you want it to be. Um, and I think that I'm going to speak specifically for women, that I think women have been, have felt greater challenges with taking on multiple identities. And I hope we are in a world now where gender doesn't matter and the ands don't matter. Um, it's like, if I don't train 40 hours a week, am I an athlete? Well, spoiler, you are if you want to be, and you can put whatever quantity of time toward that as you wish. So, um, yeah, massive hat tip to Matt Corker for believing in that eight years ago, nine years ago. And I hope that we all embrace the and. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. I feel like that's where that's where the like the individuality of who we are really shines through. And it's interesting that again, like just using, using the example you did of like that work week that we would try to like suppress those other 12 mm -hmm. hours and not let people know about that and not live into the end. Whereas like we could become a fuller, more complete version of ourselves. If in fact we did allow ourselves to be like, Oh, I'm this and this. And even yeah. if it seems like those things are opposite, right yeah. or different from another that we can embody that because that's who we are like it's really yeah. I feel like this conversation is uh, a, a kind of invitation to explore our own identity and yeah. just allow ourselves to love what we find yeah and then, absolutely and then lean into that well it actually speaks to one of the chapters in the book um which is is chapter three lesson three that you are more than your cv you are more than your resume and i was actually presenting at deloitte earlier this year so you know a really large human capital consulting firm and i started um the presentation and i have a mushroom sweater and i really love foraging mushrooms in the woods and um, i'm holding bernie and it's like the the furthest thing from a professional photo you could ever find, except for me, it shows me as me. And so here we are on Zoom and, and I want people to know that I have something to share today that I've put great thought toward. And the other pieces that you might not know about me is that I really love foraging chanterelles and I have this rascal dog that you might hear in the background on Zoom. And uh, the end of the presentation came and, and it was a little bit stuffy. 
And the feedback was, wow, she was so human. And, and I wanted to laugh because I was like, and so are you. Like, the only thing we all have in common here is that you're a human and so am I. And I just chose to show up as myself. And I was like, who does that mean that you choose to show up to at work if you don't feel like you get to show up as a human? So um, I think that, you know, while people say there's lines that have been blurred and there might be places and spaces that feel safer or less, less judgmental to show up as yourself, gosh, my only wish is that we all do, you know? Mm. All right, so we're starting to identify the places that we want to show up, the places that we want to be part of, the places we feel safe. We know what we want, what we really, really want. So how do we take that from knowing what we want to meeting our future self? How do, how do we make our goals matter? How do we take that next step to lessen yeah. the What's next? Okay, so we jumped a little bit ahead to like your more than your CV, which is a little bit of and is the future. And if we were to talk about meeting your future self, something that I'm actually really proud of in this book is a future self meditation. And when you do the course online, it, it's a little bit easier to sort of close your eyes and listen and just go there. Um, in the book, it's it's obviously something that you read. And, and the goal is to get out of this day-to-day minutiae and to think, you know, I, I've shared this before that the idea that you can share who you want to be 20 years from now, you, you might be able to take steps to get there and you might not. You know, my relationship with gardening is because I hope that I get to be a 60 something year old with a garden. And I thought, you know, the best time to start would be today. And if I wait until I'm 60, I might not really be growing a carrot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there's something to be said about getting out of that stuckness, that rut, that, that everydayness and, and thinking about the future you and where you want to go. And if you've done or followed any work of the Corker Co, we're really obsessed with the notion of goals and, and, you know, people have different relationships with goals. I think the, the rudder or the keel of the goal ship is to understand what you value. If you can put life through your values, goals are just a subsidiary. Goals come out. Frankly, you'll win and lose at goals. I don't think that matters. I think you can look and say, did I set a goal? And was I true to my future self in alignment with my core values en route to trying to achieve something, be something? Um, it's, it's highly controversial. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you only have your own compass. So whether yes. you win or you, you lose, I hope there's a compass. Mm -hmm. I, lo I love the meeting your future self and 20 year goals. Cause I think it makes anything seem possible. We might not yes. have the courage or the audacity or, or give ourselves the permission to think that we can do something tomorrow. But if we're like, Oh, 20 years, that's a long time. I can, I can be whatever I want to be in 20 years. And when you start to like go macro like that, it really helps for myself illuminate the steps today. Cause if I'm like, okay, I want to be an astronaut in 20 years. If I'm sitting here looking at myself being honest and reflecting, I'm like, wow, I really have to make some changes today. If I want to be an astronaut in 20 years, like this, this path I'm not, I'm on right now doesn't align with that one. So it, it helps give myself permission 
to make the changes to get to that future self. And if I skip that step, um, I, you know, it's easy just to stay stuck because you're mm. you, that, that astronaut seems impossible if you're just kind of wishing it away. But when you put it into that structure, it gives you working backwards the steps to make that impossible possible. You know what? I think I need to read the summary of this lesson because it really wraps in a bow exactly that feeling. And if I'm able to get that across over, yeah. only on this podcast, then I feel like I'm really doing something right here. Let's do it. So the summary of lesson two is if lesson one was about getting unstuck, lesson two has been about what to do as a flailing fish in the sea. First of all, you relish in how wild and free it feels to be unstuck and unbridled in your thoughts. And then you get to work by articulating where you want to go swimming. No nets, no hooks, no boats in the way. I say this playfully as we mustn't take this work too seriously. It loses all joy generating principles when we become too rigid. The future state meditation is meant to give you an intentional pause for thought. Your goals and your core values are meant to give you great purpose to waking up in the morning with enthusiasm, just like Bernie. So there is something playful to this. There is something to say, get way out of your way and then come back and, and keep it playful. And, you know, I'm, I'm not meant to be juvenile in this approach. I'm meant to be really honest that we, we crave play. And then we become an adult and we take everything so freaking seriously. Mm -hmm. We stop finding joy in the journey. We stop wanting to play. Everything has a purpose because we need to feel good and look this way. And I'm like, freaking play, just play, you know? Yeah. You know it's funny, I've had this thought. It's, I love that Bernie's that consistent theme through the book and the thread through the book. When you watch dogs play, they are so free, children, dogs, like there's no inhibition. They're just like completely free playing with no worry in the world. And I, I was watching these dogs play the other day, like imagining like, what if we acted like Bernie, you know, like what if like I saw Steph Corker and I just like ran up to you and like did some circles and, you know, yeah give you a big hug um, and, you know, wasn't worried about, you know, looking one way or, or how, how that presented or how that made others feel. Um, I mean, I should worry about how it makes others feel, but if you were just kind of allowed yourself to be silly in that sense and, and play mm -hmm. as an adult, like where that can lead us. Cause I think we're, we're scared of, we can be scared of, of stepping out of that, that box of, of normality and, and mm -hmm. comfort and don't want to be too unique or too weird or stand out too much, you know, but that's where, that's where the fun happens is kind of on, oh. on those, on those fringes on the outside of the box. Well, and it's like your own weirdness. I mean, it's only as weird as, as you want it to be, as you let it be. And, you know, I, I hear you with the compassion of, of worrying about how other people feel and yet imagine it unleashes their freedom to giggle for the first time in the day and mm -hmm. laugh at you playing with a dog or a child. And, you know, I'm, I'm just here to put, plant the seed or put the nugget out in the ether that says, what if you were to approach all humans as you would approach the dog on the street? Do you ever notice that as adults, we connect with dogs and children? We connect with parents. You don't talk to an adult 
walking down the street, you talk to their dog. You don't go to a playground and just rant as a, as a, you know, someone without a child. I don't walk up to a playground to start talking to parents. No, you relate to each other because you have children. There's something to that. Like freaking start being more human friends. Stay human. Yeah. And bring a dog or a child along yet. Don't wait for the dog or the child to be the impetus to be a human. Yeah. It's interesting too. Like I love that idea of embracing like playfulness and play. Cause we, we know it from like early childhood education that kids learn through play. Like this is how they learn by playing games and imagination and having fun. And it lasts for all, like, all the way into even adolescence. And then at some point we just say, okay, like enough play. Now it's time to learn through like, seriousness and rigidity and doing the things but like if we think back to our own lives like times where we've been cracked open and have learned the most is usually when we're we're healed over laughing because we're trying something new or have that playful spirit and in that you go oh man like i never saw the world this way before and there it still holds true that even for us as old adults in the world paying taxes and doing oil changes and all these things like the method that sets us free to learn and grow and expand is often like through playfulness and if we don't ever afford ourselves that opportunity like we can be missing out on a whole piece of who we are or stepping into that sense of like what's next right and and Mm -hmm. oftentimes as we're bound by fear we we don't allow ourselves to meet our future selves because our current self is too worried about what might happen and that just comes from the pattern of not not taking of taking everything too seriously ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely which kind of goes as it as we keep rolling through the book um the lesson four is start now Mm-hmm. And the, the, you know, the essence of lesson four is, is just give it a try. Like, who do you want to connect with? Who do you want to be? How do you, you know, Dean, to your point, what is the fit session of different personas or people to try on? I tried on being a CrossFitter. I went to a CrossFit gym. I showed up, I got some blisters. I put chalk on my hands. That moment in time, it really wasn't for me, but I tried it on. What, what would it be like to go to a CrossFit gym? what are different things to try on? Um, what are different relationships, different ways of being? And how do you just start? Like just freaking start. And, and this is actually probably another Matt Corker tip. Um, it was like, what would it be like to just get out of your own way? Mm-hmm. Because we are really good at, it's like, it's my wife, it's my partner. It's, it's like, it's no one else. Just get out of your own way with love, with grace, with compassion, you know, maybe your partner does want you to stay in bed in the morning. Um, so you might need to negotiate a new time to wake up at the end of the day. I'm sure it's probably 99% on you to get the freak out of bed at 5am and it's not your partner at all. So just start, just start. Gosh, darn it. You want to be more fun? Just start. It's amazing how that ripples and dominoes too when you when you start to get into the habit of, of starting now. Um, you know, being in the, the lens of running, we've got yes. a really small group at the juice truck called the Juicy Joggers, and um, it's very much a, a jogging group, a beginners group. And you know, for for some of these these folks, you know, five k 
you know, one K seems impossible. And, and, you know, I tell them they did the hardest part, they put their shoes on and they showed up and, and they started and that one K seems hard, but today, okay, we're going to run a hundred meters tomorrow. You're going to run 200 meters. And the progression of, of starting now um, can kind of domino to so much positivity. And if we don't start now, we just stay stuck. You know, we stay yeah. in that, that spot imagining, you know, could my future self run a 5k? Could my future yeah. self run a 1k? Um, so I love the, I love the start now. I love start lines. You know, that's, that's another one that I've learned from you over the years, just kind of this love for mm. start lines. I think mm. we can celebrate finish lines, but the the line that I'm most interested in is the start line. Mm-hmm. Heck yes. Oh my gosh. I want to know who you become on your way to a start line. And for yeah. context, if you're listening to this and you're not an athlete, it's not only athletic start lines, you know, opening your door, your business door on the first day, that is a start line. Registering your business, that can be the start line. Um, and, you know, proverbially or literally putting on your shoes is the hardest part. Actually, mm-hmm. lesson four starts with this quote, and it says, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Mm-hmm. And gosh darn it, I think that is so powerful. Write that on your mirror, put it mm-hmm. on your fridge, whatever put it on your front door, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's a good like daily mantra too, because I think so, so often the biggest barrier to starting Mm -hmm. is, well, I'm not going to be good enough. Yeah. I'm going to start my business, but I don't know everything yet. And it's like, it's laughable because, well, how could you, how could you know everything about running a business? Like you haven't done it yet. Or how yeah. you know everything about how to be a good partner in this relationship because you're not in it fully yet. Like you're just starting or how, you know, I'm not going to be good at running or weightlifting or whatever it might be. It's kind of like, if that's your barrier to starting, like you need to rethink the whole problem because you're never going to just start something and be the best at it, which is yeah. again, like circling back to that, you know, every five years, learn a new sport and maintain that kind of beginner's mind. Like we should always be celebrating Start now, use what you have, and do what you can. Like, those are all yeah. achievable, achievable in-the-moment things that we can all do. Oh. Well, this feels like the time to plug that I'm going to be 40 in 2023. Let's, let's talk about this. <clears throat> I've, I've signed up for my 40th marathon, which will happen in October of 2023. I've tried to enroll Zach. Dean, you might need to be there, too. Start yeah. lines. 40th marathon for my 40th birthday. And I was so stuck in, what if I, this is it, what if I don't run as fast as I once did? What if I don't run as fast as one of those 39 marathons before? And then I paused and I was like, but I've never been 40 before. I've never been 40. I've never been as old as I will be when I run my 40th marathon. And I secretly think that I can be faster than I've ever been. I deeply know I will have more fun running this marathon than I've ever had running another marathon. Whether it is faster or slower really, really won't matter. Mm. I will have more fun running this marathon. And there is something to just that. We've never been in this relationship for this amount of time with two children in a new city before. 
We've never towed a line. We've never towed a future line. We haven't met our future self. So while we're changing, we like hang on to these anchors of our past selves. And it's like, you gotta you got cut those anchors. I'm so much more than a marathon now. I'm, I'm Steph Corker, the 40 year old. Who the heck cares what happens over 42 kilometers? Mm. Zach and I are gonna have fun running. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It kind of circles back even to that conversation about goals. Like, okay, sure, the goal yeah. is run the marathon, complete the marathon. But the deeper thing is like that value of like the why, why are you doing it? And if it's like, oh, because yeah. I want to be faster, then that's like a goal that you can work towards. But if the goal is complete, run the marathon and the value is do this because I can, and I want to recruit a bunch of friends and I want it to be super fun. Cause that's who, like, that's my core value is doing something that I love with people that I love. Then it's a, it's a win, no matter what the, the time is that you cross the finish line. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I'm excited for the, the marathon. Uh, one one last chapter I want to touch on before before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, yeah. But one that I live by: mm. relationships are currency. So I think yeah. Transactions are currency, but transactions just happen one time, whereas relationships can last forever and evolve into so many so many things. So, can you talk to to the to the the notion of relationships? as our greatest currency yeah i um i actually just got goosebumps hearing you say that because i think that the power of honoring relationships is something that is so accessible to all of us and i don't know that we all honor it as we could um and what i mean by that is sort of this notion that we're connected on social and so you know what's happening but when did you pick up the phone and ask someone how they were really doing? And, you know, I spoke with someone last year um, who actually runs a consulting business and they said, you know, it bothers me that we don't appreciate the days that it rains. We don't appreciate our neighbors and we don't appreciate community because when you understand the impact of the rain on farmers, you appreciate your food. And when you appreciate your neighbor, you know where you can go if you run out of food. And when you are a part of a community, you come together and, you know, in times of struggle or in times of celebration. And that just feels like I, I wish that was included in the book. You know, appreciate the rain, know thy neighbor, be a part of thy community. Relationships are all we have. Mm -hmm. This is it. And I think that it's in how you communicate with one another. It's the language that you choose to use. Why do we send emails like robots? Like send an email like you were running into them on the side of the street with the same love and the same joy. Send a message wherever you communicate with people. Use five emojis if you wanna use five emojis. Just honor the relationships however is so true for you. And that to me feels like we're nurturing this, you know, not to be so metaphorical, but really like nurturing the garden of, of the diversity of love in our lives. And, um, and also I think it's so important to, I, I, I used to say this in the world of social media, forget social media, just where are you consuming and where are you generating? And do you show up in your relationships to only consume? Do you show up in your relationships to, to dump on people when you have bad days? It, it can only go so far before you have a tough day and you need someone. 
And where are you showing up with no strings attached? Truly, again, like unbridled generosity. You drop cookies off at the neighbor because you made extra cookies. I'm, you know, I moved to this new neighborhood and I baked an apple pie because my neighbor took my garbage cans out for me one day. And he was like, what a pie? I was like, we're going to be longtime friends. Like, let's start this off on the right foot. Um, whatever's true for you, may we express that all the time. And it's especially true in professional relationships. And if I'm honest, it feels a little bit like a lost art. Like we're forgetting to honor professional relationships with the same rigor and the same discipline, the same compassion, the same humanness that that we must, you know, it's like this recruiter didn't get back to me. They're dead to me. This person didn't respond to my email, you know, newsflash. No one ever has to respond to your email. If every time someone responds to your email, you started with thank you, thank you, thank you. What a gift. These like social constructs that like you email me and I email you back. Sometimes it happens and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. When do you email someone just to say, you did a beautiful job. Well done. You don't have to respond to me. Just, just know that you are awesome. Just do more of that. So just remember in the job search, as it comes sort of full circle to the now what in your vocation, it can't be a one-way street. And there has to be something called reciprocity that just is is giving without you needing something. Because when you do need it, you want them there for all of the other reasons. And, and then I think it can go beyond your work as well. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think uh, that's a beautiful place to kind of, to land this aspect of the conversation. And I know, you know, there's definitely uh, going to be a part two conversation because there's so much that we didn't get into. Um, so we'll save some of that for, for future conversations. We always like to wrap up with just, uh, you know, a few fun rapid questions just for some, some quick takeaways. And, um, I love your, your cork, uh, corker board, the cork board, uh, newsletters, um, cause they are kind of those rapid fire takeaways and email form. So if you're, if you're listening, um, go subscribe to the, the newsletter at corker collective, cause it's, it's one that I actually read and it always, uh, has uh, lots of takeaways and, and links that I want to click on. So um, this will an extension of the, the cork board here. Yeah. I'm nervous. I won't lie. I tried to get ready for these. I was like, what are the rapid fires they've been asking these days? So these are really coming at me hot. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like some are consistent and then some are always just the rat, the most random rapid fire. So yes, okay. I'm here for it. Expect, expect the expected and the unexpected, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's uh, what's one thing, one thing, maybe a start line of any, any variety on your horizon that you, that has you lit up, like that you're really looking forward to in, in the near future. Oh, gosh. Well, the most honest thing I can tell you is my 40th marathon. Yeah. yeah. 40 marathons is wild. I know. Like that's incredible. Gosh. Um, okay, so you're training for this marathon. Um, are you a music in or just uh, run with the trees and the bees kind of thing? All podcasts all the time. And the way that I go podcast is 2x. You have to listen to it two times. It keeps it moving, keeps it spinning. I'm, I'm really into it. Uh, podcasts and audiobooks, actually. 
Okay, so what are some? I'm a 1.2 guy. I feel like if I go above mm. 1.2, then I start to my attention drifts. So I give you props mm. that you can yeah. uh, hang on to that that what, speed. 1.5 usually. You a 1.5? 1.5. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm. Two is two is good. Like, Sometimes two is a little bit too quick. Um, I just, this is, that's a place where I go for consumption. I'm really here to consume the juice and I want it and I want it fast. Um, the other thing I would tell you is if I listen to music, I typically listen to a few songs on repeat. I'm really obsessive in a weird way. So um, yeah, audiobooks and podcasts. And I would plug, uh, actually, you might appreciate this one, Zach. Unreasonable Hospitality is an audiobook that has rocked my socks. Absolutely love it. And uh, I'm really digging Mel Robbins' podcast these days. Oh, I like her. I love the, uh, that she's got the, so you got the seven minutes, she's got the five seconds, right? Five, I do not practice five seconds in the morning uh, currently. However, this high five habit is is sweet. So podcast and audiobooks. Okay, so um, I'm going to send you a couple of juicy podcasts that uh, I think you'd enjoy. Are there any, um, you mentioned Unreasonable Hospitality and Mel Robbins, are there other audiobooks or podcasts that you want to give shout outs to? Um, Inner Mastery, Outer Impact was an audiobook that I really enjoyed, and I'm partway through The Myth of Normal, Ooh. Okay. which is nice. Gabor Mate's new book with his son, if you want yes. to dive into trauma. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's he's. Uh, I love Gabor Mate. I feel like uh, every time I, I haven't read the book, but I've listened to him on a bunch of podcasts, and it's mm. just he's connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you have this great quote uh, in your book: "Know what you hold to be true deep in your heart, and find the mm. path to bringing it to life. It's worth it." And then there's mm. like a little anecdote underneath that says, "And we need more role models to chase mm. possibility." I would love to know who are some of your role models that inspire you to chase possibility. Oh, should have known this big juicy one was coming. Um, Who do I look to to chase possibility? Gosh, you're really giving me pause. Um, I mean, it's funny, the first person thing that comes to mind is freaking Bernie and I'm like that pup is here for it um I would tell you that right now I'm finding great inspiration in in the older generation so in people that are I'm going to say older I mean over the age of 50 that are choosing life on their terms on their path that age is no longer a number or a barrier um there's something that I'm really inspired by that sort of no bullshit kind of way about them. And if I'm honest, I would say it's like unattached to technology. It's not like the latest and greatest anything. It's like, it's all heart and soul. So there is something to that that I'm really inspired by. Um, I would say in 2022, uh, I was very, I, I am very inspired by Kipchoge the world record marathon holder. Um, He did a podcast that really hit my heart about his chosen way to live. Um, He's not an older person, yet he's definitely unbridled by technology. And Yvonne Chouinard and his way of doing business, I think um, I was inspired that business could be done a different way. So I don't know. I think it's a little bit all over the map yet. That's great. Um, There's something to be said of 
of the non-cookie cutter way of being. Yeah, I just read a thing this morning uh, from like running running magazine or something. I don't know online. We was talking about Kipchoge and how he has his uh, what he calls vitamin N. Mm. It's his commitment to say no to things, even good, mm. things, so that he can focus on like what he's deemed as most important. And I was like, mm. oh. as like uh, I don't know if you've done mm. any of that stuff, but like as an Enneagram Seven and an extrovert, it's like say yes and then ask questions later i was like oh that's like a lesson for me to sit <sighs> dean you and i from seven to seven i feel you i feel you and, and i'm also like don't label me a seven because yeah. i'm all that's so seven of me yeah, yeah. i could be all of them yeah just watch no, no. <laughs> all right do you want to uh bring this uh bring us to the finish line let's of this conversation. It. Let's do it, let's do it. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for your time. Thank mm -hmm. you for um, creating such a beautiful piece, the Now What, your book. Um, also too, like uh, publicly, thank you for putting it out in the world at a time when the world really needed some probably help mm -hmm. in understanding, oh man, what's gonna, what is life gonna look like going forward? Um, it just reveals again, just like the generosity of spirit that you embody. So thank you. Thank you for all of what you have done and do and will do in this world. Um, Zach and I, as you may know, we love to end our podcast with the, with the question around the title of the podcast. We call it uh, a little more good knowing that that's what we wanted to create through these conversations. That's what we want ourselves to kind of be about and put out in the world. But we love to know from, from each of our guests, kind of what, what does that phrase mean to you? A little, mm. a little more good. I thought that might be coming. Um, and I would tell you that I have, like I shared, moved into this, this new home in a new little neighborhood, um, just north of Squamish, British Columbia. And I got here and there's, there's land. And on this land, I thought, what if I could have no grass? And what would a little more good be planted in the front yard and the backyard? And what would it look like if quite literally I could have a flower farm in the front and you could just come and cut flowers. And, you know, what, what could that be? And um, I share that because I think a little more good would be to grow some things for more people, for strangers to become friends over hopefully the simplest things in life, like flowers. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, thank you, staff. Thank you for being a heartbeat. Mm -hmm our community um, for inspiring the impossible and, and illuminating that it all is possible. Uh, appreciate the, the path that you that you lead and the positive trail that that follows you. Um, thank you for this conversation and, and thank you for, for being Steph Corker. Ah, sweet friends, thank you for being you and thank you for getting on the mic and dedicating time, dedicating your life to hosting these conversations because I know that it takes more than seven minutes and I know that there's so much effort that goes behind this every week and I just want you to know that when I open my podcast app and there's a new episode from the two of you I'm stoked and I know that I am just one of thousands of listeners and you know this is a time where if you chose to not generate this content I would have one less thing to listen to on my runs and drip by drip mile by mile it's like how we get to start lines so thank you for every conversation and everything that you do it really really means a lot awesome thank you steph well there you go steph corker dropping 
full heartbeats full heartbeats full knowledge full wisdom in all humility yeah she's one of a kind man you know i was thinking about uh steph if you're listening to this <laughs> i was thinking about like people that i'd want to build team community with um you know obviously we have so many amazing people on the podcast but i would love to build a team build a community with steph like she she's one person when i when i think about that when i close my eyes and i see the team that i want to grow with Steph's part of that team. Yeah, yeah. She's someone, well, like I said before, I mean, she just, she lives it. Yeah. She lives it. She's fully embodied. She she sees things in a unique way and I think um, takes into account a lot of the intangibles that people maybe overlook and yeah, it would be an, an amazing resource and asset and just person in your corner. So I'm, I'm grateful that uh, yeah. you know, we're team Steph. And she's got her 40th birthday coming up. It's not polite to share a woman's age, but uh, she's running her 40th marathon for for this 40th birthday. So see how things go. Maybe Dina and I will either be in the cheer station or uh, yeah. lace, lacing them up to, to join her. Maybe one <laughs> of the two. That's right. That's right. Or both. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's so good. Uh, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening all the way through. Don't forget to give Steph a shout out um, if you really appreciate what she's putting down or link up with her if you want to learn more. And of course, like and review the pod wherever you listen. We always, always, always appreciate it. We know that um, our time and our attention is one of our greatest commodities, if not our greatest commodity we have these days. So thank you for investing in yourself by listening to this amazing podcast with Steph. And um, yeah, let us know what you thought. Always appreciate it. All right. See you all next week. Stay good. Peace.